That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC talk radio is always exciting. Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hey! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of HIC Talk Radio. The pro wrestling podcast, the premier pro wrestling podcast. Mind you, no matter what anybody else says, this is the premier one. I have to say, you know, this one. Mm, yeah, premier. Mm, anyway, uh, I'm Dan Calchico. With me, as always, Craig Legons, uh, with the special super duper background. I got the hockey jerseys going. Uh, little Atlantic City, no, Atlantic City Ball, Boardwalk Bullies, and a little bit of Rochester Americans. I just pulled two random ones out, and those are the two I went. Well, no, no, that one I picked on purpose. That one I was like, mm, that. <laughs> just knocked them on there. So uh, every other week, every week that'll change. I also have to applaud you, Dan, for uh, keeping the wrestling part of the uh, show together with a picture of Steve Curtis Skinner on your T-shirt. Yes. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> sure. We know who that exi- is exi- actually there. Yes, of course. It's Orange, Cat, Orange Cassidy in a beard. Yeah. I hate you so much. <laughs> anyway, it's Phil Collins. I the original, know. It's anyone the original knows, hipster. Anyone I know, he knows that. <laughs> I'm going to go Damn with it. Skinner and Orange Cassidy with the beard. I like it. Yeah. It is. It's totally <laughs> brilliant. Uh, well, the expression of the, the poop had hitteth the fan mm-hmm. uh, happened last week. And I don't even I really don't even know how to address this. It's not not, it's nothing we need to address, but I just. You know, part of me is like, oh, that figure, the other part of me feels terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ring of Honor. Has announced it's going on a hiatus at the end of the year. Yeah. Now, let's get this aside. Uh, According to all uh, sources, they're going to pay their contracted wrestlers to the end of their contracts to March. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Sinclair Broadcasting is worth $2 billion. Sure as hell better. Uh, but I just, I, of all the companies that I thought mm-hmm. who were on TV, we're talking about TV companies. Yeah. That were not going to make it through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The Ring of Honor was the last one on the radar that I thought would shut down. I mean, MLW, Impact, uh, Wow's coming back with uh, yeah. all of their all of their baggage attached to that. Trust me, international. But Ring of Honor's kind of blowing my mind here. I don't even know what to make of this. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, that I liked and know and like got mm-hmm. signed within the last year, and were uh, you know I was telling you about O'Shea Edwards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Danhausen. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's all I PCO left recently. Uh, Pierre Willette, yeah, left recently. I guess well, you know he was a uh, kind of the forerunner on that. Like I'm getting out of here, but yeah, just 
you, I don't know what to say about this. I don't know what's going on because there's a lot of people speculation of, speculating about why and the hows. And, you know, yeah. there is this controversy that not controversy is pretty crappy thing that Sinclair does is where they buy little channels and then shut them all down and lay everybody off. Yeah. Uh, there was a hacking incident where there's ransomware holding up uh, some information about Sinclair gone. That's happening at the same time. But monetarily, they're worth billions. I, I don't see how wrestling is. It seems like Turner 2.0 on a smaller scale here. Right? What do you What do you think? I don't even know what to say. What do you think? Uh, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm very heartbroken for the uh, wrestlers involved. Um, they say they're going to honor their contracts, and that's great and all. But you know, with Ring of Honor, they had a sweet TV deal because they're syndicated all over the place so you did good need, thing about sinclair yeah you didn't need a, a cable outlet to uh to, to ply your wares or you know to be lost on the tv dial the way impact is where you know you're lucky if you can you know a lantern on the side of a barn probably has a bigger audience than you know than than impact does but you're not running any obviously the pandemic hit every business hard and when Big you're and not small. running yeah and you're, but you're not running any shows. You're not bringing any revenue in your house. Uh, there's no house show business to speak of, and you could say that even before the pandemic. Uh, but when you you're running empty arena shows and you're not really bringing in anything as terms of uh, revenue uh, outside of uh, the biz, then I you fall by the wayside. I and it is tragic. It sucks. Um, Honestly, I, I, while I was surprised by Ring of Honor, I, I was surprised it didn't happen to any of the other um, clubs, I, like not clubs, but uh, organizations like Impact and uh, like MLW, but they seem to have found a footing, if not an audience, so they're still going strong. Uh, if I were Tony Khan, um, I would do whatever I could, not to just save the company. Obviously, Sinclair is is okay financially, but I would take a good hard look at uh, Jay Lethal and the Briscoes. It's funny you mentioned that. Because mm-hmm. one of the funny things, I, I don't, I cannot find out if this is 100% true. I'm assuming it's true. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you remember when AEW started, the first two All In shows, yeah, were produced by who? Yeah. Ring of Honor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who owns the tapes? Yeah. Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. Yeah. So if one of the things that is up for grabs is the library, and a certain somebody up north, yeah, outbids outbids the guy down south. Yeah, wouldn't that be hilarious if All In was on debuting on Peacock? Relive. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hypothetical. That probably won't happen. Like, I don't but, care. Yeah, I mean, but the library is priceless considering yeah, is. all of the current and even a recent past uh, pro wrestlers that were a part of Ring of Honor. If you get the Ring of Honor library, you've got access to not just. CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and Tyler Black and Dean Ambrose and I lost but there's there's more yeah you lost track there's more Cesaro (laughs) um you know uh 
El Generico. El Generico. Uh, yeah, Sammy, Same Kevin Steen. Yeah, yeah. Ke- Kevin Steen. Uh, so much of that is in the Ring of Honor library, which is, you know, would do a fledgling company, or uh, if the guy up north gets it, he'll, you know, blow it like he's done everything else. But if uh, the guy down south gets it, he would at least know how to market it properly or at least show. And I guarantee if the Ring of Honor library goes down south um, and there's a, just a special, like, showing of Ring of Honor classics featuring all your favorite past matches of today's stars, that would outdraw anything, any current wrestling project uh, program on the air right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's, it's very interesting because um, I heard an, I've heard a rumor off and on the last week how it's being floated that by the end of the year, AEW is going to have a streaming service. Mm. So for better or for worse. <laughs> so that's there's a number of things. I'm not so upset. I mean, I'm upset with the, of course I'm upset that there's more wrestlers losing their jobs, but oh, yeah. a lot of them will be booked anywhere. Yeah. Except Tanhausen, who broke his leg this week. So he's not gonna be booked for a while. Oh. So yeah, he broke it straight through Tibby at bed. I'm sad housing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really bad housing. Um yeah. but if anybody doesn't know who Dan Housen is, it's uh look him up, sound out the word I just said, Dan Housen. <laughs> uh look him up. It was one of those guys where I'd be afraid because I said, Craig, you gotta see this guy, and it's very close to being on that side of where Craig's like, oh, this is stupid. But even Craig makes Craig smile. So I'm like, I know it's good. If Craig's like, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Dan Dan Housen is the Napoleon Dynamite of wrestling. It's either you get it or you don't. And if you get it, it's awesome. And if you don't, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he was contracted. A lot of these guys, guys and girls will be paid, but I just, and I know what you're saying about, you know, there's no revenue coming in, but again, it goes mm. to that whole, what, you know, what we're seeing um, manifest in real life. Yeah. Real life, but, you know, uh, yeah. outside of wrestling and politics today, where you're telling me there's no money, but I'm seeing this stuff run by billion dollar yeah. companies. You're telling me it's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't get it either. But, yeah, bitter pill to swallow. Uh, hard to um, to wrap my mind around. They said they're just they're, but they they didn't say it's done. Yeah, they didn't they're say they're shutting down. They're saying they're on uh, hiatus till April. But yeah, and they're going to come back bigger than bigger and better. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that entails because obviously the people that are out of work now can't wait till April to get paid. You know. Or they have to. You have to wait till April to eat. Um, so uh, it's um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a huge. Every time a company says around March or April they're shutting down and we'll be back, I get worried because I think about twenty years ago. Yeah. You know what I never saw? I actually just added it to my YouTube watch. Like I'm referencing WCW for those who don't know. You know what I never yeah. saw? There's what? one episode of the show. I have never seen at least once since when I started mm-hmm. watching in 89. And that's the very last WCW worldwide that aired on in April, 2001. 
And that's after Shane bought it. Right. You know, it's after the storyline started, but it was after the sale. It was after the Nitro that simulcasted. It was after all that. Yeah. And I was watching it and, and somewhere in the middle of it is a commercial for the WCW house show return in June oh, at the wow. Stabler Arena. Yeah. I think in Reading. Yeah. Or is that Scranton? Yeah. Yeah. Scranton. Yeah. I can't. But yeah. the commercial's there and it's the WCW logo and the 215 for box of tickets. And I'm like, I've never seen this in my life. I can't believe yeah. that exists. And it's like, oh, man. But, um, so I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I know they said they're not shutting down, but I am damn worried. And of course, yeah. I hope I'm worried for nothing. And I this is one of those situations where I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And in April, they announced the relaunch and they're good to go. But they're going to have their final battle in December. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. It sucks, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it because I, I had the same feeling of finality with uh, with ECW when Paulie left and yeah. um, there was no, they, you, you, re, you notice in uh, March they weren't, or in April they weren't uh, promoting any other upcoming shows. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's kind of, it's like every ECW commercial is about the next show. And it's about where they're going to be appearing next. And then, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Then it ends. Yeah. Kind of writing on the wall there. Um, some other unfortunate news from uh, the other side of the rest of the world, which is the, not the WWE. And mm-hmm. I guess it's unfortunate news, but it's kind of, it's actually good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, uh, formerly known before that again as John Moxley, uh, is entering a alcohol and drug rehab program. Yeah. Uh, and Tony Khan announced it late last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not we're going to only passively passively mention the jerk offs on Twitter and social media, making this into another WWE versus AEW war thing mm-hmm. and roll right on past that by saying you're a bunch of morons. This is a guy's well-being that's in question. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm glad because it's been an interesting month because somebody hacked into um, I'm blanking on his Renee. Renee Youngs. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think of a real name and I can't. Renee Paquette. Paquette, thank you. Uh, their Instagram account and posted a picture of their kid, uh-huh. which they have not released publicly. Wow. Uh, and then a week later, this is happening. And I really hope uh, I, people always criticize. It's happening with CM Punk. Now, with CM Punk, it's been a couple of years, and it's like he's still doing shooting interviews when he talks about WWE, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we got yeah. it. I, exactly. But Moxley, you know. Moxley, this is still fresh to John. Yeah. Mr. Moxley, about mm-hmm. what happened to him. But we can only... Everybody's experience with the WWE is different. You know, one person yeah. says they felt like crap and was treated shitty in the company. Mm-hmm. And then the other person does it, but then the person that said they don't immediately cancels out the person that says it doesn't. And that's not how it works. That person's uh, experience was much different than that person's experience. And John happened to have a crappy experience sometimes internally in the WWE. Now, we always made the argument, you know, as far as on screen, people are like, well, he never got a real chance. And the multiple championships he has, that's different. 
yeah. than what was going on personally and backstage. And those experiences tied in whatever stress else is going on in this world. Um, and somebody who is sympathetic to addiction and the battle yeah. to addiction. Yeah. I, it's been a largely positive and I hope, hope, hope because he's a great wrestler past the stuff that some people don't like. I happen to not care mm-hmm. about the hardcore thing. I don't watch it anymore, but I don't care that it exists, but I yeah. know that he's a pretty good guy. He's a good guy yeah. and he's a really good wrestler. And I really hope that he clears up gets better. Mm-hmm. And the family life is good enough for him to come back. In the yeah. ring. And as do I, uh, and the fact that, uh, this has been made public, um, not the the pictures of his child, which should not if they weren't public. Yeah, get a uh, life, but, man. Get a hobby. Yeah. You can work from home uh, during pandemic. Get a get a remote job. Stop doing that. But the fact that his uh, his going into uh, an alcoholic treatment, alcohol um, call treatment, was made public uh, by his boss, no no less, is uh, a very positive thing because that's something that uh, even in celebrity. Uh, statuses would be hidden or you would be seen as weak or seen as as less than if that kind of news got out that you needed help for a a problem like that even though alcoholism is so common in everyday life in all walks of life no matter what your vocation that it's nothing to be ashamed of especially admitting that you need help Um, but for that he needs to to be commended for taking that first step into getting help and getting treatment. Um, and the fact that now wrestling is so, it's such um, a business now and such, it is sports entertainment, um, which is sad, but so much so that someone like John Moxley, I found out about that because it was trending on Twitter. I didn't find out about it in the wrestling chat room or in a wrestling you know, newsletter or uh, a wrestling notification. It was on Twitter because he's on a national television show, and one of your stars has to go into rehab, um, which is sad. But that's where we are. They even announced that CM Punk would be taking his place in the AEW title tournament, or the tournament to crown a new number one contender to the championship. Um, so obviously, we wish nothing but the best for John Moxley. And um, he's a father now and, you know, a husband. So that's got to be doubly tough on your family. And you're doing it in front of the entire world. So now everyone knows about, you know, your your problems and your addiction. And my feelings about his wrestling aside, uh, I was a bigger Dean Ambrose fan than I am a, a John Moxley fan. Um, I'm still baffled why anyone who was in the top position at the biggest company in the world would rather um, use kendo sticks and break glass over his head and um, give the time of day to someone like Nick Gage than wanting to go forward. But that's that's my bailiwick. That's my cross to bear. Again, it's got nothing to do with John Moxley as a person. For everyone that's ever known him or ever met him, I've never heard one negative interaction with John Moxley. He's always been a a cool guy. I've been to his matches. I didn't interact with him when he was here in Philly, but the people that did, again, didn't have a bad thing to say about him. Uh, so he's a, in that respect, I want him to do, to be better and uh, for him to thrive 
uh, he's in a great place right now, and he's in a great spot where um, he can get the treatment. I don't know if this would have happened in the WWE if he had yeah, to go to treatment or if he would have to go. I don't know because you know the WWE has gotten better recently mm-hmm. in recent years with that kind of thing. But yeah, we also know the horrific stories of that schedule and 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 the nonstop mm-hmm. until you got until you have to stop or able to stop. Yeah. So I don't know. And the thing is, Dan, the schedule that they have now, nothing. It'd be like a vacation compared yeah. to the schedule that they used to have. Yeah, I'm not even once- talking like. Good. Yeah, I'm talking like even like late '90s. It's the schedule they have now is nowhere as crucial. Not even talking about the '80s. I I just want to say uh, about that thing, and and I and, uh, it, there's nothing wrong with living that schedule. But what the one thing that does bother me is people are like, "Well, you pussy, you didn't have to work our schedule. Nobody should have to work that schedule. No, you in the past or anybody now. So settle down. Yeah." Uh, I, I I have nothing mean or bad to say about mm-hmm. Rip Rogers. Rip Rogers is a legend. He's a great trainer. Yeah. Yes. And he trains a lot of good. I, I have nothing negative to say. Mm-mm. He said months ago about that, how we had to do this and rigorous this and rigorous that. And I'm like, it, it should be okay. It shouldn't have been okay then. You right. deserve, but and I, I posed it by saying, I didn't say it to him because I don't want to fight with Rip Rogers because I'm a nobody. <laughs> But my point, my counterpoint was, is you deserve better, too. And you deserved better. Right. Let's make it better. Mm -hmm. Let's not push it back down on the new generation because you had it bad. Take that experience and let's make it better for everybody because you didn't deserve that either. You know, we bring up Ric Flair and all the the, all the moments he missed with Ashley and 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 David and and Reed. Reed. And all this crap. And finally, he stood up for Reed. He's like, I'm going to this thing. And he got fired. There's your example right there. Rick right. Flair. Yes. Was sent home. Mm-hmm. Because he, God forbid, wanted to spend time. Not okay. Yeah. So, and, and the one thing I don't understand, like, the one thing I will say, the addiction thing is, like, everybody who's judging this, it doesn't, this get, all that doesn't matter. Addiction doesn't wait for you to be happy or sad. Addiction yeah. is addiction, whether you're happy or sad. Look at pictures of Chester, Chester Bennington the day before he committed this. The night yeah. of his suit, he, he left us. Yeah. Smiling and having a great time with his family. That does not mean you're happy. That's not how mm-hmm. addiction and pain work. So please, no. in 2021, everybody try to be sympathetic and understand everybody's experience with this kind of thing is different. Yes. And try to understand it. You might not understand it. But try to be empathetic, sympathetic to the fact that what your perception of how happy that person is, money, family-wise, addiction doesn't care about that shit. No. So, again, after we just went through Daphne and what happened there and hundreds Mm -hmm. of us that tuned in that night and watched her last breaths Mm -hmm. on this world scared alone frightened crying begging for help and understanding to fucking figure out that it's not about how you feel about things it's about what that person's feeling 
right. Craig, please take over for the rest of the story or add on. You know what I mean. I, I can't add anything else to that, Dan. You what you said, you said uh, perfectly. You crystallized my thoughts eloquently, as always. Um, I was eloquent till I dropped the F bomb, but you know, <laughs> I get so tired of seeing. Say, Dan, why do you care? I watched mm-hmm. my stepfather mm-hmm. at 60 years old after two heart attacks and subsequent stent placements and surgeries and a diabetic start shooting heroin like it was candy again. Wow. Which slowly, I say slowly, it took three years, still- shut his body down to the point where it killed him. Mm-hmm. Where he, the only way he would have died faster if he died of an actual overdose. Right. I watched it. There's nothing wrong with mom and my stepmother, my stepfather and mother's marriage. Mm-hmm. They got along fine. Yeah. Won't talk about the stepkids. <laughs> Had nothing to do with the marriage. Mm-hmm. The marriage itself was fine. Yeah. The normal family, they work nine to five. <laughs> and then that happened. And it ruined, it's still affecting my mother's life. He is gone. I, like, it doesn't matter. Addiction doesn't give a shit. No. So try to, try not to make it about a goddamn wrestling company. Yes. All I asked. If you could. If you could. If you could, <laughs> if you could find the time. Uh, thank you, Dan. And, uh, while we leave the present full of uh, turmoil and uh, companies shutting down and wrestlers seeking help, uh, we turn back to a time, a simpler time, where uh, organizations, competing wrestling companies, uh, work together hand in hand to give the best product for the most important people, the fans, the ones that make the wrestling business, what it is. And I said wrestling, not sports entertainment, because we're going to go back to a time when uh, there was wrestling in all 50 states, where wrestling championships mattered, where wrestling organizations, world champions, were recognized as world champions throughout the entire world, not just in the United States. Um, we're uh, companies could work together but also knew the value of having one champion work for one company as another champion worked for another company all this will tie into this special abbreviated edition of the wrestling historian we're going to go back to october 21st 1985 a truly historic date in professional wrestling that didn't even take place in this country took place in an had an all japan show on the yeah. you mean wrestling doesn't just happen where i'm looking at it no <gasps> it happens outside of your scope dan and this, this particular match uh, happened outside of a lot of people's scopes this was the most highly anticipated match of 1985 it took place like i said at an all japan show under the auspices of the great giant baba uh, he got uh, his folks together to put on a super card on October 21st, 1985. It would be the first, last, and only meeting of the AWA heavyweight champion, Rick Martel, 
going one-on-one with the NWA heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. The first, last, and only time the a- an AWA world champion took on an NWA world champion. Now, the NWA champion, as I've uh, noted many times on this very podcast of the Wrestling Historian, the NWA champion has took on the WWF heavyweight champion multiple times from with champions such as Harley Race, superstar Billy Graham, and Bob Backlund. The AWA champion even took on the WWF champion in Toronto when Nick Bockwinkle went up against Bob Backlund, but never, never is an AWA champion ever wrestled an NWA champion. And this match took place on the shores of Tokyo, Japan, October 21st, 1985, where Rick Martel defended the AWA championship against Ric Flair defending the NWA championship. They went 38 minutes to a double countout. Nice. But those two had to sync up their bridges and put their past differences aside because the very next day, Dan, October 22nd, 1985, marked the first time that an AWA champion teamed up with an NWA champion. (laughs) (laughs) Ric Flair and Rick Bartell were tag team partners. The very next night, that's all Japan extravaganza weekend, when they took on the team of uh, Tenru and Yoshiki Yatsu in the tag team match. So one day after making history, the AWA champion took on the NWA champion. And the very next day, the AWA champion teamed up with the NWA champion. They made history. And the next day, they made history. Uh, uh, October 21st, 1985. October 21st and 22nd, 1985. Uh, October 26th, uh, landmark day in professional wrestling. We wish a happy belated birthday. Uh, happy belated 43rd birthday, the young 43, young 43, for the great Phil Brooks. Returning wow. to wrestling after seven years, happy belated birthday to CM Punk. The second example in 10, 12 years where they say when you never say never. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still like Bret Hart's line when he returned to the WWF. Well, I guess hell froze over. Yeah, I guess I guess hell froze over. <laughs> Come here, uh, Shawn Michaels. I'm going to hug you, but you're not going to know. I'm not going to try to kill you, you son of a bitch. Ah, <laughs> uh, the great Bret Hart. Hey, real uh, quick, yeah, I love about all of that. Just real quick, as a quick side about the Montreal screw job and the years after, and him finally coming back is that. Shawn Michaels at any time, Shawn Michaels is looking over his shoulder anytime he's near Brett because he does it anytime if he wanted to. You could actually care hurt him. <laughs> that was the best part about that. Like, I don't understand how A, that Brett believed him. I'm sure he didn't, but he was just not trying to go to jail. But when he walks into the locker room after the match, I swear to God, I had no idea that he realized how close to death he was. It makes yeah. me laugh every time. And I like Shawn. I, I like both guys, but yeah. I, I, I like Sean now. Hated Sean then. Yeah, no, you know, I hated Sean and Sean then yeah, too. Yeah, but yeah. it's just still funny yeah. to me that at any time Brett could have been like, "Come here, I'm going to use your finger to yeah. kill you." <laughs> well, you, well, you, you, when you look back at that fateful match, you, the reason why there were so many people at a ringside because of a shoot, <laughs> because they, they, and they were there for for Sean's protection. weren't there for Brett. <laughs> No. Uh, that's why Renee Goulet, Jack Lanza, 
Vince, Jerry Briscoe, Pat Patterson were all there following them around because I'm going to show you a couple of holds to get out of this if he tries to grab you. Okay. (laughs) Because Brett said um, that if it was a shoot, he wasn't worried because he knew that a Sean couldn't put him in any type of hold that would make him tap out legitimately. He knew Sean couldn't physically hold his shoulders down to the mat for three seconds. And he knew that Sean could not on his best day, beat him up in any type of physical altercation. So Brett was fine. They were, they were there for Sean. I just I remember Jim to Cornette telling the story that Pat Patterson or somebody or slaughter was showing Michael's holds just in case. Yeah, and 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 Jim laughing them off like that. Okay, they were showing him holds just in case. Yeah. Nah, eh, ain't gonna work. It, it reminds me of that. I don't know why I keep coming back to this uh, <laughs> uh, scene in a in a movie called Lake Placid, and uh, Oliver Platt was going up against Bill Pullman, and it goes, "I take karate." So, anytime you want to, and Bill Pullman just punched him right in the face. <laughs> And Oliver Platt has a bloody nose. He's like, you didn't say go. You know, my class is you say go, and then you can. I didn't think so. It's like you're you're gonna teach it. You're on some holes. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that'll. Uh, the movie is yeah. a beautiful piece of crap. Yeah. And also on that date, uh, October twenty sixth, uh, nineteen ninety seven. We talk about uh, places and shows that we. You know, remember we it's things that still stand the test of time. When we talk about the greatest matches of all time, you know, often it's not the main event of a card. Often it's a match that steals the show further on down the card. Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat uh, in uh, WrestleMania three uh, is a great idea of that. Um, on this particular show, it was the third match on the card and still sticks out as maybe the best match of the nineties. And definitely one of the best matches in WCW history. Uh, Las Vegas, MGM, Grand Arena, Halloween Havoc, title versus mask, the Cruiserweight Heavyweight Championship, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Still holds up as maybe the finest match in WCW history. Certainly one of the finest ones in the the Monday Night Wars or in the uh, the late 90s. Eddie and Ray have both talked about this match extensively, about how great it was. Uh, last year, uh, Ray played, paid tribute to that by wearing the exact same trunks, or wearing the colors he wore at that Halloween Havoc match um, October 26th of last year uh, on a, uh, a SmackDown show uh, because of how, match, how much that match meant to him and how much that, meant, that match means still to all of us. On the Eddie Guerrero uh DVD and I think also on the cruiserweight uh, documentary on the old WWE network. Uh, they talked about that match and Eddie said that's the one match I look back on and wouldn't change a thing. It would be you would be hard pressed to find any intelligent rational mm-hmm. even old school wrestling fan rational. Mm-hmm that would have a legitimate argue that that might not be the best match in WCW history. I mean, yeah. I, I just, 
Doesn't that also have? I think that has also my favorite Dusty Rhodesism. What do you say? Where he goes, he's talking about the incredible athletics ism. <laughs> you know what I'm trying? Ism. Yeah. You, you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> no. No. You have no, no idea what you're trying to say, Dream. No idea, dude. <laughs> I believe it's that match. It's if it's not yeah. that one, it's Guerrero versus Malenko. Yeah. But. It's a perfect. Uh, I, I have to find that audio and use it as a soundbite on the channel. Athletics, ism. Yeah, That's and two it, words. That's the weird thing about you know you mentioned uh, Malenko. The greatest matches that Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero had were in Philadelphia, right here. But they had tons of matches in WCW that they didn't come close to what they did here. But and they were still great. That's how they were. They were great. Yeah. And the thing is, what made this match so great? It was like afterwards. Uh, Ray, uh, Eddie wrestled uh, Dean the very next night on Monday on Monday Nitro and uh, and beat him. And their match was, again, great, but nowhere near. And uh, Ray Mysterio uh, pinned Chris Jericho. And all of this was in the Cruiserweight division. You had uh, Eddie, Dean, Chris Jericho, Ray Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon. And this started, this whole feud with Ray Mysterio started when Eddie turned heel after Eddie lost the United States Heavyweight Championship. So they moved him down to the Cruiserweight division, which is how they thought of him and the rest of the guys that would lit all these Cruiserweights that would later go on to be heavyweight champions of the world in the biggest company on earth, Eddie, Ray, Chris Benoit. So that match, uh, October 26, uh, 1997, Halloween Havoc. Um, between Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight Heavyweight Championship title versus mask. Uh, that was also in that match that Ray was the closest to losing his mask because unlike what he does now, having a separate mask, Eddie Guerrero, I'm sorry, Ray Mysterio came to the ring wearing a full body suit dressed as the Phantom, which was an homage to uh, what was thought to be a great, a big box office hit. At the time, the movie The Phantom was coming out that was produced by TBS, uh, starring the great Billy Zane. Uh, well, The Phantom didn't catch on to the superhero craze that is that, that we're engrossed in now. Uh, and it wasn't a big box office hit, but at the time, it was poised to be a big, uh, big money getter in uh, movies. And that's why Ray was dressed up like The Phantom. And so when... Even if Ray lost, he would have to take off his mask. It was attached to his body. And what Eddie was doing was ripping at the mask to try to, try to get it off. So had Ray lost, getting him to unmask would have been quite the chore. Yeah, either way, he was going to make him work for it. Even yeah. e Either if he lost, it was after the match or during the match, he made it work for it. Yeah, but yeah, ripping at the mask. But uh, again, That movie was such a hit, I had no idea that's what that was for. Yeah, it's for the Phantom, starring the great Billy. It, it was then the marketing was off the chain because uh, at on the back of the WCW magazine, also on the back of People magazine that week, uh, you saw Billy Zane dressed as the Phantom in a Got Milk ad with a milk with a milk mustache on him as the ghost that walks. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was October twenty sixth, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, oh God. <laughs> Yeah, that oh, is the fan. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I don't uh, remember that. 
that movie existing at all. No one did. That's what I'm. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, was, well, they poured a lot of money into it, and they thought this would be the start of a superhero craze. But they lost sight of the fact that the fandom was never that popular a hero in the first place. Even though I knew who he was, and in fact, I dressed up as a Phantom for Halloween in first grade. And guess what, Dan? No one Nobody knew who, knows who the hell we are. <laughs> yeah, even though it's a, even though I had I had the gen- generic asbestos cellophane, cellophane uh, mask <laughs> with the with the little tiny dot to breathe yeah. through, but it said Phantom across. The top <laughs> of one of those. Yeah, and still Batman. No one knew who I was. Yeah, still no one knew who I was. Uh, Phantom. Anyway. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, yeah. Phantom. I hardly knew her. Anyway, uh, November first uh, wow, in wow, wrestling. Wow history uh uh gave uh birth to uh one of the greatest or jim ross would call him the greatest performer in the history of professional wrestling on uh, november 1st 1944 was the birth of sir robert of heenan who would have been 77 this year the greatest manager mm-hmm. and color commentator ever in wrestling full stop end of sentence i will go further and uh not only annoy him both of those things but also uh the greatest worker uh in professional wrestling the greatest heat seeker i uh, made no point of, i've made a point of saying that bobby heenan save for nick bockwick and ray stevens was a better wrestler than everyone he ever managed and i would include rick flair and kurt henning in that because Flair and Henning couldn't work a style the way that Heenan did, and Flair and, and Henning, as great as they were, could never get the kind of heat that Bobby Heenan did once he got in the ring. Because once the babyface got their hands on Bobby Heenan, the amount of noise made in whatever arena that happened in would be deafening. And when Heenan got his comeuppance, no one could sell like Bobby Heenan. No one could beg off like Bobby Heenan. No one could flip uh, around the ring like Bobby Heenan. No one could get juice like Bobby Heenan did, uh, even as a manager. So uh, the man was um, nothing short of amazing in everything he did or in anything he did. If Bobby wanted to go in, if Bobby wanted to be a stand-up comedian, he would have been the best at, at what he did. You, uh, yeah. So he, he was just, he was a man that was, Thank God he spent his time with us, the time he had with wrestling fans. Thank God he decided to pursue wrestling. And we all got to see him as a multi-generational talent. You know, we know him as a great color commentary. Generations before him knew him as the greatest manager in AWA history. And the, the manager combination of him and Nick Bockwinkle made a whole generation of fans recognize greatness when they saw it. And if he didn't know it, they would tell you because Bobby would tell you um, about the humanoids and Nick Bockwinkle would echo those statements. Thank you, Sir Robert of Heenan. And I will attempt to illuminate the masses with the words you just spoke, though I will have an incredibly hard time of trying to match your intellect and your graciousness there. And yeah, they were uh, in the joint at the hip, but Bobby Heenan uh, made an entire career of being Bobby Heenan, and no one could touch him. And uh, I, I heard uh, 
listening to an, another podcast about why Rick Rude didn't like, because Bobby Heenan always said that Rick Rude was the one guy that he didn't like managing because Rick Rude didn't like didn't need him, having yes. a manager. But here's the thing. Rick Rude had a manager everywhere he appeared. He, the reason why he didn't like Bobby being his manager, because the managers that he always had, Rude always outshone, and Rude could always get himself over. Because he had Paul Jones, he had uh, Percy in World Class, um, and even when the, with the Dangerous Alliance with uh, Paul Lee, he always let himself go. It was a, you know, a compliment that Rude didn't really want because if you're a Heenan guy, if you're managed by Bobby Heenan and the WWF, it means you were the top guy. You were in the Grade Eight. Bobby only managed the Grade Eight. Andre, Bundy, you know. Guys that got shot, to, stud. Guys that got repeated shots at Hulk Hogan. But Rude didn't want that. He he won the top spot, which he got, but it comes with being associated with Bobby. Bobby, yeah. And that's what he, that was a compliment that he didn't necessarily want because, again, he always got himself over. Um, and, uh, but they, my, my favorite, one of my favorite things is Bobby Heenan's debut at WCW at the Clash. Yeah. It's, it's Gene Gunn. Ah, Bobby Heenan, this guy follows me everywhere. It's just <laughs> goes like that. That's like, uh, yes. Ah, God Get damn that it. After the other. <laughs> uh, also on this date, Dan, uh, November 1st, 1997, the WWF World Heavyweight Champion, Brett the Hitman Hart, the aforementioned Bret Hart, the world champion of the WWF gave his notice to the company, and it was on November 1st, 1997, when the WWF heavyweight champion signed a contract with WCW. And he would, it, would, it was under a non-disclosure agreement. No one knew that, he, that by the time Survivor Series rolled around, and we're coming up on that date, Dan, November 10th, 1997, that Bret Hart was already officially under contract with WCW while he was the World Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Champion. But it signed the contract November 1st, 1997. And in a couple of weeks, we will talk about the screw job, his exit, and subsequent bumble fuckery <laughs> of the WCW booking. Yeah. Always fun to scrutinize that one because as much as a WCW yes fan I am, mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of things where I'm like, yeah. And that was one of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what the fuck? First of many. You know, we have the hottest wrestler ever in history of wrestling. Let's sit him. How can we mess this up? Uh, you know, use him for two minutes. Fuck it. Make him a referee for his first match. Make him a referee. <laughs> make him a referee and make him save the day after Nick Patrick counts a regular three count. It'll be great. We have an undefeated world champion from another company going into a match with your other world champion and a guy challenging for it. And we have the three match between two guys that use the exact same hold. One calls it a sharpshooter. The other calls it a scorpion deathlock. And in between that is an aging guy that they both hate who changed his name from Hulk to Hollywood. You put those three guys together and that'll be our main event match. What do you say? 
No, let's make him a referee. That'll go over great. Uh, there's a clip here on Twitter. Uh, uh, 25 years ago today, Bobby Heenan stole a 45-minute Sting video. And it's them on Nitro where they have the new videos up. For he goes, hey, Tony, look. <laughs> Which I still have. Yeah. Uh, my favorite of Bobby's uh, when um, Ray was uh, going up against Eddie for the uh, Cruiserweight title and the title versus mask. Well, Mysterio doesn't have to unmask because I, I, well, I know I, Gene. I'm gonna tell you right now. I know who Ray Mysterio is. Yeah, like, well, who is he? He's a guy in a mask, stupid. <laughs> it's not a great line, but it's a silly. It's a quick one that always made me laugh. Just at the simplicity of it, because Bobby could always get you with the smart, witty, quick. Yeah. But when it was just quickly stupid, it would make you crack out loud laughing because it was so funny. But it's Nitro comes back from break. It fades in on the Nitro girls dancing. And Tony goes into his ticket selling, you know, like, yeah. WCW live tickets on sale. For, and Bobby just breaks in. Wow! Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, or, or. I will never get tired of him taunting Stu and the rest, uh, Stu Hart and the rest of the Hart family during that Survivor Series in Boston. Yeah. And, and uh, honorable mention to the, the moment where he goes, Hey, Stu, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just remembered another of my favorites. Uh, Tony, yeah, you're married, man. He goes, yes, sir. Yeah, how long have you been married, Tony? 21 <laughs> years. He goes, 21 years, brain. Did you know if you had killed her on your honeymoon, you'd be out by now? <laughs> There's another great moment at WCW Uncensored 99. And you know how they always sit, the three of them sit towards the camera at the table, yeah. the announce yeah. table. And, and they're doing their spiel between one of the matches and their crowd behind is going, Bobby, Bobby, he turns around. And Tony references it in the middle of the commentary, goes, turn around. <laughs> he goes, you don't have to talk to me this way. I'll sit whichever way I want. He goes, you should be doing a job here. And then Tony and then Bobby just turns his chair, which then locks onto Tony's chair. So Tony's got to turn his chair to let Bobby's chair turn around. And he just sits with the back of the to the camera and people are still going, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> and Tony's trying to point to go, turn back around. Turn around. And he, no, get off me. He pushes him. It's just stupid shit. Um, it was a, it was the later days, it's so funny to watch the timeline of WCW Thunder, and this will be a quick one because we could go into the whole HMP. MP, yes. Trademark Craig Legans. Um, <laughs> there, the, the timeline of Thunder is like, we need another show for all the big stars. Uh, no, actually, it's just for B-stars. When, when Bobby was exclusively on Thunder mm -hmm. and they stuck Mark Ren on um, Nitro... But that was the only reason why I was tuning into Thunder for a long time was, well, Bobby's on commentary. I don't care what's going on. Yeah. Um, sidebar about uh, <laughs> Mark Madden. I got a little bit of respect for Mark Madden back this past week. He answered, he does answer tweets about wrestling. Mm -hmm. And do you remember the storyline at the end, towards the end of Nitro 95, where they brought Zeus back against Hogan, but they also brought that big white dude back? Yeah, or they brought that big white dude in, and they called him what? Well, he was called the final the solution. Final solution, yeah. 
Mr. Jeep Swenson, who would also be Bane in the horrible Batman and Robin. Oh, is that him? Oh, that even him. worse. That's yeah. somehow worse than being called the final solution. But anyway, after it airs, Mark Madden apparently is the one that goes to Bischoff and the other guy is going, you shouldn't use that name and then had to explain to them why, why? they couldn't use that name. The fact that he had to explain, that's the hard part. That's the, <laughs> that's that's the, the hard part. part. That's the yeah. part that makes me laugh about that. Like, yeah. oh, God, Christ. Anyway, sorry, Craig. Do the last day. Okay. Which brings me to today, of all days, uh, today, November 3rd, <laughs> just as our country is reeling from the uh, current results of our democracy in action, it was on this day uh, in 1998 that an independent from the great state of Minnesota, in his words, shocked the world. Oh, that's right. On, on this date, 1998, Jesse, the mind Ventura, changed his name, became the governor of Minnesota. Yeah. I, uh, I find more often than not that uh, the conspiracy thing, I'm like, hey, Jesse, hold me. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell him because he's Jesse Ventura. And, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. But a lot of the times politically, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he's got a point there. Yeah. Shit. Um, right. Yeah. He is right. Oh, man. Uh, listen, all I'm saying is, is the recent results of the latest poll. I'm no fool. I am mm -hmm. a white male. Yes. And I didn't, if you, in case you didn't know, Craig, I am a white male. Mm. Uh, my life will go largely unaffected by any of this, but there are not to get real quick. There are certain people, uh, a group of certain several people who are now currently worried about whose very uh, rights that they have just gained in two thousand in the last five years mm -hmm. um, might be uh, impressed upon again in a negative way. Yeah. Uh, Better world might have been better off with Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Again, he wasn't he wasn't crazy all the time. Uh, no, one thing no he's crazy when he needed to be. Yeah, one thing to be a conspiracy theory, and one thing to be uh, right most of the time. Not an asshole. <laughs> no, uh, about it. And that, gentlemen and ladies, has been the Wrestling Historian. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C R A I G L I W G E O N S. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all social other social media platforms at DanLaw83. Follow the show at all social media platforms. You can find us at HIAC Talk Radio. If you're watching on YouTube, the highlights, go to DanLaw.tv and watch us live Wednesday nights at 8, whether we record or not. Wednesday nights at 7, excuse me, whether we record or not. You'll never know. It'll still air on the right time. Uh, yeah. If you're watching us at DanLaw.tv, go to the YouTube page. And, and watch the highlights, or better yet, on your smartphone, go to any of your podcast apps, type in the HIC Talk Radio Network, like, share, subscribe, do what Craig's doing right there. It's very simple. Look it up. Look for the big bright green and blue logo. Hit subscribe and give us a follow. For Craig Lagans, I'm Dan. Bye.